0: All right, uh, welcome to Article Club number six. Uh, today, uh, we are hide- uh, highlighting a paper that was the Jose Maria Cagigal uh, Scholar Lecture that was presented at ICEP and the World Congress in 2018 in Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, and this is a paper by Mikael Quinerstedt. and the, we'll link to the title, it's an open access paper so you can access it at any time. Uh, but the title is Physical Education and the Art of Teaching transformative learning and teaching in physical education and sports pedagogy. So um, as we do usually, um, I will um, move it over to Dr. Aaron Santeo this time, who uh, we've brought on uh, to add a little spice to our article club. Uh, So thank you for joining us. And um, the first question goes to you, why'd you uh, pick this article? Other than the reason that I suggested that you should pick this article.
1: Thanks, Risto. Yeah, so, you know, I didn't have a chance to go to Edinburgh, uh, and I know a couple of you were there, um, but I did come across it, actually, Risto, before um, you had suggested that we might look at it, and I thought that it was very thought-provoking. I thought that it was interesting, and it's going to cause good conversation, so those are always good articles to have.
0: Yeah, um, so, and I'll throw this out to anybody that wants to jump in on this, but I, uh, the paper kind of started off with, listing a couple futures papers by uh, Richard Tinning and David Kirk and a bunch of other people um, that, you know, they all talk about how physical education was broken at that point, And they talk about how it should or could still be broken. And I think where we've passed a couple of those futures papers uh, days, I know David Kirk and Tinning, they talked about 2020. Um, so they all talk about how PE is broken what do you think is in our field that's holding us back from actually making the damn change? That's my question.
2: Oh, boy.
1: I mean, I think it's just the institution of education. Like, change is really hard in a situation where nothing ever changes. And I know that that's a pretty, like, broad statement. But the just the institution itself of education is... Once you've gone down a path for so many years, it's hard to go back on it.
2: Right, and if you if you think about the way that schools are designed, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw on my inner Hal Lawson here. Um, the schools are designed for a bygone era. You know, they were designed for the, the turn of the the century, turn of the the uh, the, the 20th century, uh, when we were very much an industrialized country. Um, and they serve different purposes that they, they, they uh, leverage different types of technologies, many of which have changed and evolved since. So, so they're kind of an outdated structure in many senses. Um, and I think that goes along with what you're talking about, Aaron. And, and I think that holds us back in many ways, but this might also sound a little trite coming from me, but, but I feel like it's a socialization issue as well um, because we have this kind of uh, rep- a, a, a repeated process where we, socialize the same people into the field um, and then expose them to the same challenges when they're out teaching in schools and you know if we're putting in the same ingredients why would we accept to why would we expect to get a different output
0: yeah and and I was rude and I didn't inter- uh, introduce uh, Kevin Richards who was just speaking um, but uh, Michael Hemphill is also on here and I'll I'll go to him because I think you know we're doing this over Zoom, and all of us smiled when uh, when socialization came out of, of Kevin's mouth. But uh, Michael, can you uh, can you give your opinion on why why physical education in general just hasn't been able to make that shift and answer the calls for some of these some of these papers that have come out over the years?
3: Um, that's a big question. It's in my community. What I'm seeing in secondary schools is the um, the culture of high school sports um, overwhelms the objectives of physical education. Uh, And it's difficult when that kind of defines what it means to be a physically educated person or to be in a PE class, it's difficult for a lot of students to find space for participation beyond, you know, going on walks around the track and uh, doing these things that are not educative as uh, the article talked about. So I think that's a big thing we need to grapple with. I've been in, um, I spent a lot of time in New Zealand and, you know, I think they would say they have these same challenges, but they um, have a different sport sport culture where it's a lot more inclusive and the highly competitive sports are separate from schools mostly. Um, and my observation there is that PU is much more inclusive of uh, different people with different physical abilities. Um, than what i'm seeing in my local community
0: yeah and there i mean the new zealand curriculum is rooted in the socio-ecological model they they have a theory-based um program that doesn't necessarily prioritize sports and i think you know if you look at the u.s even in the paper he talks about uh talks about how you know sport has been the center of physical education for so long. And I think that is something that also kind of holds us back from making the change because, you know, we, you know, asking the why, right? Why are we doing this instead of asking the how and the what? And typically when we start with the how and the what, which is what Mikhail argues against is we go into what, okay, we want to teach basketball and soccer and we continue doing the same things that we've always done because, That's what PE has been in the U.S. for so long, is team sports. Mm -hmm. Right.
2: And and, and, Oh, sorry, Michael. And I was just going to throw out there, uh, you know, again, and and I think that 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 again goes back to this this is why the socialization challenge comes to the surface for me, because, you know, students in schools uh, participate in physical education that's primarily uh, team sport based, and especially in the secondary level, um, or it's made explicit that team sports are what matter the most. Um, and, and then students make decisions about coming into the field based off of um, of those experiences. And, you know, the, the field, I think, at the higher education level and in a much broader sense ha- has kind of moved beyond the sport focus. If you look at papers that have come out, uh, I know Ann McPhail uh, was on one that looked at, you know, faculty's perspectives of the, of, uh, the purpose of physical education, and it was all about. You know, education for, for lifelong physical activity, not about sport, but the field in terms of the teachers continue to lag behind uh, in, in some ways because of the socialization conditions that frame their work.
0: Yeah, And that's who we're recruiting. And we, you know, talking about teacher recruitment, we've been recruiting people from sports. We've looked at team sports athletes, student athletes, more so than and not across the board, but traditionally, that is the person that comes into yeah, hey, a yeah. PE program is a sport-based person, and it's hard in a few years of PE education to tell them that hey, teaching dance is really like important, or teaching these different movement forms, or individual activities, or you know, training for things that they're going to be doing when they when they graduate high school, which is not team sports. Yeah.
3: I want to make sure they put. In that conversation, the role of central administration, you know, principals' offices, superintendents' offices, um, who, you know, have to oversee curriculum and should be making sure there's effective instruction in math, science, English, you know, all across the school. And it seems like physical education is often just left out of that review process. Um, I've been trying to think a lot lately about there are certain schools in my community that get a lot of attention for needing to improve their graduation rates and things like that and if physical education is this really unstructured space that's not serving students well um, why is it that those administrators don't see that as an opportunity to do some kind of reform that would help them achieve these school success goals. So I don't, maybe there's some readings out there that I have not uh, found yet, but I feel like we haven't had that conversation in a robust way uh, in physical education. And more importantly, with those organizations that oversee administrators and and things like that.
0: Yeah. And I, and I a hundred percent agree with you. And I think in the paper he talks about non-educative and mis-educative physical education. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in that sense, you know, you, you bring up secondary schools Like, has physical education done more harm than good in some cases? You know, if you're going out there and it's you're not doing anything in PE that's constructive, again, not talking about the quality programs, but talking about these programs that are worse than roll out the ball. Like just knowing that you can you can just go into school and you know that you're not actually going to do anything during that day why not change that and i think michael you and i had this conversation before about you know possibly infusing some other content into that that could could build on that relationship and try to try to bring it back into that lifelong physical education and i think you know some administrators maybe maybe we're not vocal enough maybe they just you know it's not a problem it's not raising huge red flags and they just kind of keep brushing it under the rug so people don't notice Mm-hmm.
1: but I, I do think I'm going to actually agree with Kevin in this that it it goes back to that socialization piece right because administrators have been socialized to believe that sport is physical education right and I think that Michael you raise a good point because um, I mean if there's nothing if there's nothing going on in physical education that's telling them not to change it but at the same time we see physical education getting cut at the secondary level, right? So in reality, physical education in the United States is not very present at all in secondary schools, Um, maybe one semester in most situations in most states. And so, um, I mean, it really has gone to the wayside where administrators don't think that it's important and therefore it's not within a normal school day for most kids that are in that secondary setting. But their view on assessment of physical education goes back to how they've been socialized. So what they believe should be going on in that physical education classroom is how they're going to be evaluating the teacher, um, how they're going to be looking at what's going on within within that classroom. And I think that then that goes back to us as PEAT faculty or um, preparing teachers to be able to inform administrators, right? But then back to socialization, Pete hasn't changed that much either. And so the reason, like we're stuck in this cycle where we're producing students who go out and facilitate a traditional physical education environment.
0: Yeah, and maybe Kevin, you can jump in and your opinions on um, you know, looking at this from the socialization lens of, we know that this has effects because of socialization. So how do we, how do we, as PE educators, how do physical education teachers, how do we change that? Right. Because we need to make some dramatic change here. So what, what would, uh, what would you suggest or what does the research say?
2: Yeah, I think that that's a, that's a big picture question. And it's a tough one. Um, and I didn't mean to hijack this conversation and make it all about my research area. So apologies for that. Um, but, uh, you know, you know, I think that I think that we have nearly 40 years of occupational socialization theory research that gives us insight into what things don't work, what processes lead to undesirable outcomes, but also what what things do work and how we can leverage what we know about socialization to make a difference. Um, so, you know, I, I think that, that by taking a theoretically informed approach to how we recruit students into our programs, taking a theoretically re- of uh, the structure, our, our teacher education experiences, you know, using what we know through socialization theory, but, but other related theories, um, you know, I think that self-determination theory, for example, provides a good framework for structuring some experiences within our teacher education programs. Um, but, but by taking a theoretically informed approach and then, and then uh, targeting multiple points <clears throat> um, concurrently, uh, and what I mean by that is that if we focus all of our efforts on recruiting new students, but don't also change the context in which they're being exposed to physical education as youth, and don't also change teacher education, then you know intervening at one point in that quote-unquote pipeline is going to get washed away because of other points that haven't been changed. So it really takes an integrative approach with mar- with multiple targets across. Different socialization phases um, to be able to to move the the field towards you know a more desirable or preferable future. The the challenge with that though is that education plays out like Aaron alluded to before in this really messy, busy, you know, uh, fluid public policy space uh, that's difficult to impact and control.
0: Yeah, and I think that there are
2: some things. Sorry, yeah, go ahead.
0: I think that you know if you look at just changing Pete, how, you know, the, the count we had was 538 peat institutions in the U.S. So how do I change 500 institutions at a time when, you know, Shape America might right. be only represented at the conference by 70, you know, and or 100 right. or even half, like that you're still not able to actually change. And I think that those are the issues in the U.S. that I don't think – Are going to change but i think have a huge impact on what we can do is the u.s will Mm -hmm. not get a national curriculum so you can't align everybody in the same same way as where you look at some policy conversations that come out of new zealand and australia that have specific national curriculum it's just it's unrealistic to compare us to that and to be able to make a change on a national Mm -hmm. level so where do you make the change do you make it at the does Capered and Illinois APERD and Vapored and all these different um, APERD organizations, are they then in charge of coordinating a statewide movement? Like, I don't know how, how to change PEAT education at that bigger level because honestly, if all of us wrote a really, really good paper on what we think should happen, I don't know, 100 people are going to read it, 200 people are going to read it, we're gonna get like seven citations, but it's not. That's not the way to make the impact. Even though we might have great ideas. So, but all right. So let's um, get off my soapbox. I'll, I'll transition this into something uh, a little bit more relevant in in the COVID crisis right now. So, um, you know, Mikhail talks about putting the E in PE. Um, and I think you know this. This article was published, and it was given as a lecture before there was a global pandemic. Um, so I was talking to my uh, to Laura, my wife, yesterday, and you know she talked about one of her uh, colleagues who watched her. I think it was a kindergartner, like a five five year old, uh, sitting down in front of a Zoom call with her PE teacher, and the PE teacher just had the this circle of you know kids on zoom and the PE teachers trying really hard, but trying to do like a physical activity lesson or a physical education lesson. And the kids just were all over the place, just not like understanding anything that was happening. And just, you know, she was trying to communicate. And so I'm at, I'm asking like, during this time, should we be teaching physical education? That's question number one. I'm assuming that it's yes, but is there a year breakdown? Like, is it better to just send some workout packets or activity packets or games or show some games for K-1-2? <laughs> and then when they can function on Zoom and hang out and understand, like, should then we do that? Or should we change a lot of what we're teaching in high school to focus on health and content and cognitive knowledge and suggest that they get physically active, but use this time to really get into the cognitive domain. Open, open to discussion. Just a thought I'd throw out.
3: I, I mean, I'm, I'm a. I lean toward that. Maybe we should not be um teaching physical education during this time the pandemic. And the reason is the things that are being offered um tend to target students who uh already have access to quality physical activity, maybe not the education fees. So I guess what I'm suggesting is the physical activity promotion part of physical education. Um I, I'm not sure that's effective in this acute crisis situation. Um, I'm in touch with a PE teacher who has 61 freshmen uh, in her classes. And she, there are 20 of those, have been able to access the high school at all during the pandemic. So they're not accessing their math, reading, PE, anything. Um, 41 students are not. And so, knowing that, it's like, well, when those 20 students get online, or if those other 41 do get online, what should they be asked to do, Um, and should physical education be a piece of that? Um, I'm just not, you know, I think that the way American education is set up with testing and standards and progress, and you got to get into college with SAT scores, that physical education is important, but it's not going to move their life forward, especially if they're those people in the lower income groups, the title one schools um, and, and things like that. So, <clears throat>
2: you know, I, I would agree with uh, Risto's initial reaction, <clears throat> which was that, you know, physical education should be taking place in some sh- you know way, shape or form during, during this pandemic. Um, but, but my, but my, my stance on that is tempered really with, with what Michael said. And at the risk of getting a little bit political, um, you, you know, what frustrates me about the current situation is that our major social institutions, everything from hospitals to universities to, to schools, um, were woefully, woefully underprepared. For anything like this to happen, despite the fact that we have received numerous warnings, uh, warnings. I watched the speech that Barack Obama gave, where he talks specifically about the the, the chance of a global pandemic like this happening, uh, and people didn't prepare. Our social institutions didn't prepare. And so the reason that that I that I go that direction with it is that I think that you know it's kind of like that Band-Aid on a bullet wound uh, metaphor. Uh, with what we're doing right now, because we're we're just scrambling to try to do something without really thinking deeply about whether or not that something is helping and it's meaningful.
0: Yeah. Aaron, what do you think? Should we? I mean, you're uh, you're at home I, with with two kids, right? So, like, are they are they taking physical education? Like, is that a part of their curriculum other than teaching by mom?
1: So. I mean, I think that physical. it depends on how you're defining physical education, right? And so if I was to think in relation to, to the article or to this um, talk that was given, I would say that what is mostly being offered in the U.S. is absolutely not physical education. Right. And I'm thinking that um, from my standpoint, like, I think that, that idea of what physical education should be is really hard to offer within this online space and within the within a pandemic, right? Because there's so many needs that students are missing right now um, that they're not getting, and so to, as Michael was saying, like to add that on to the plate um, is really. Um, I I don't know if that's where their thoughts and times need to be. However, I think that physical activity has a benefit. And obviously, if if any of you know me, you know that I am a proponent for physical activity, um, whether that's in physical education or outside of physical education. And so We do a lot of grant work Um, I have with my partners at Wayne State and one of our grants right now, like we're in charge of helping our elementary and middle school teachers figure out like how they're going to provide quote unquote physical education right to their students. And I think that this is a very tricky topic because like I said, I don't necessarily think that we can be providing physical education, but if we're providing the ability for students to be active and have that release that they absolutely need in this time of a pandemic. Um, Being able to find a fun way to be physically active, to gain some of those other things that physical activity is going to give you, whether that's releasing endorphins, whether it's just allowing you to get up and get moving and getting that blood flowing in your body. um, I think that those things have benefits but I don't think that that is the intent of physical education, right? So for me, it's more about providing students the outlet to be physically active in a fun way that Mm -hmm. they might not be able to have access to or may not be able to creatively think about on their own um, and hoping that they get some of those social emotional benefits and the physical benefits of physical activity within this time that they need it. So with my kids, it's more about getting moving, getting them out of the house, doing something different from sitting and watching TV, doing their worksheets, doing a Zoom call, um, being able to allow them to be creative in a creative space and be active um, more than the physical education piece.
2: In, you know, we're thinking about this from the perspective of our discipline, which makes sense because that's where we're rooted. But, but you know, I wonder to what extent other disciplines are having conversations just like what we're having. Because, you know, I I get the sense that a lot of the work that's being done right now is worksheet-based. There's some synchronous instruction going on, but there are a lot of challenges associated with that. I I mean, I wonder if if other disciplines are stepping back and saying, wow, we've really kind of stopped teaching right now, too.
1: I mean, absolutely. I think that... Um, that conversation is going on because of what's going on in the world. I think that people educators are having conversations that essentially say like there is some really rough stuff going on in the world. And the things that these kids are dealing with at home are far bigger than a math worksheet is ever going to be. Right. And so being able to support them in that situation, I think teachers and educators have really, um, embrace that i mean you see a lot of school districts that have they're not counting the fourth quarter right because um it's just hard for you don't know individual people's situations and how people are going to be affected and as michael said in most situations only 20 percent of students are even able to to be logged in and the more participation is probably going to be at your affluent schools
0: Yeah. And I and I think what what struck me in the very beginning of when you first introduced that topic is you said why I am a proponent of physical activity. And you said that in a very guarded way, which which I think that, you know, if you go out on like Twitter or in a conference and you say, in our field right now, in the research field, and you're like, I am a proponent of physical activity. Like we should have moderate to vigorous physical activity. I think there's a lot of people that jump down your throat and just say like, oh, physical education is more than physical activity and PE is not just PA. And, And I totally agree, but I think it's also like a very sad state of affairs to have to be guarded in introducing yourself as a physical activity researcher or somebody who has a proponent of physical activity. And I think, you know, like, I think at this point, if we can do something, I think there's a huge value in just getting our students physically active during the day because they're sitting at home, they're working on classroom material, sitting in Zoom calls, and then they're playing video games because they're not allowed to go outside. If we can get them physically active through some video or some activity, just physical activity, just to go outside and ride a bike or play or, you know, play catch with a family member or something that's physical activity. I don't think that that's a bad thing. And I think that there are, you know, there are a lot of people that are saying like, you know, we got to keep. And I think there is value in in this paper, obviously, that we talk about having, you know, putting the E and P.E. and embracing the art of teaching, but I think part of that kind of goes out the window during a pandemic. And I think maybe the best case scenario right now is, hey, let's just get them physically active. And that's what we can do. And I think other teachers are doing that in other subjects too. And they're just saying, okay, let's just continue getting them engaged in reading and, you know, finding books for them to be engaged with. I don't know, maybe, maybe you all disagree and you think that being a physical activity researcher is not looked down upon in, uh, in certain research fields.
2: Well, I, I think that, that, that what you're really talking about there is, um, you know, one uh, manifestation of an issue connected to a much larger problem. I, I think that we're in many ways a discipline divided right now. We're, we're in camps where we all have kind of our own uh, pet projects, pets. Series, pet approaches, um, and we we don't necessarily understand or embrace relevance uh, of topics across the field. Um, And so, you know, as you were talking to Aaron and and kind of saying, hey, you sounded a little bit defensive. I was reflecting and. And I felt that way, too, when introducing myself to certain people, if I feel as if they have a a view of research and a view of the field that that doesn't embrace the kind of work that I do.
0: So let me um, let me move on, I think, towards the end of the uh, end of the article. um, uh, Mikhail lists a bunch of different scholars and papers at the end of what. Um, he thinks are really good ways of showing educative physical education. Um, and that has a lot to do with, um, you know, focusing on an activist approach or social justice. And he goes back to the why, um, obviously towards, towards the end. Um, but one of the, one of the questions I have for you all is, have you seen this type of educative physical education I mean, a teacher that truly lets their students negotiate curriculum and critique practices. And I feel like a lot of the really good papers on the activist approach or negotiated curriculum, um, Amir Enright, Kimberly Oliver, Car- Carla Liguetti, I think a lot of these have been researcher led. And I think the researcher has the ability to lead it. I think, you know, so I'm, I'm wondering like, have you been out to a school where a teacher read about the activist approach didn't have a researcher guide them through the process and they just took the activist approach and implemented it or implemented some aspect like that
3: i'll answer uh no (laughs) i have not and i uh I would love to, um, and, and I mean, seriously, I'd love to like go out. If there's somebody out there, email me. I'd love to like visit your school and sit on the bleachers and watch it. Um, I had, I've done some of that kind of researcher led work and I've led some professional development workshops to try to help teachers use like a restorative justice approach. Um, and what I find with this and the other activist approaches is that like, it's really um, time intensive and relational in a way that doesn't align with class sizes or the time provided to teachers um, in school. And so we haven't figured out how to make that, that transition. I think we see this uh, with TPSR, which is another area of mine where, you know, Don Hellison uh, and Tom Martin it really are physical educators, but they move to out of school programs for the most part. So that they could structure it to allow these activist-based approaches and student voice um, empowerment-type strategies.
0: Yeah, and I think that TPSR is one thing that is taught and can be uh, can be put into place in in the school system. I think that actually it works. I think, you know. Maybe it's just the fact that the activist approach or something like this is much newer and it hasn't been around and being taught as much in um, in the curriculum at PEAT programs i'm I'm wondering like you know i've I don't think I teach the activist approach in the way that enables students to or you know pre-service teachers to go out and do it. I think I do that with TPSR or tactical games or sport education model, but I think maybe it's just that it hasn't been around as much and it hasn't been adopted by PE programs and that that might be a reason why why we don't see that. So Aaron, do you think that you've uh you've seen this in in action?
1: No, absolutely not. Um Definitely not. And I think it goes back to the conversation that we had at the beginning of the call about the educational system, right? Like is, besides um, people or teachers maybe not being prepared to think in this manner from traditional PEAT programs, um, I think that it goes back to what are teachers being evaluated on? Like how would it be looked at from um, within their school? Um, I think that it's I th- I haven't personally seen it but I would venture to say that um, something like this might be more prevalent in an after-school program where someone has a little bit more leeway to be able to facilitate um, these types of conversations and openness with kids rather than in the physical education setting and I think that there's some examples across the country within after-school programs of teachers that might have, um, ventured down this road, but I definitely haven't seen it in physical education.
0: yeah, and I think that that's one of the reasons why, you know, people like Carla Liguetti, when they take that take on the activist approach, she did it in after school programs. you know, um, Oscar Enriquez, like he he took that approach and took it to an after school approach. And so I think that it it provides so much space for, you know, which is very, very scary, right? To say, like, Well, if you want to put the E in PE and you want to do all these critical inquiry approaches and you want to run an activist approach, I think, well, you have after school, but then you are outsourcing PE into after school. And I don't think that's the answer at all. But I think that, you know, proposing certain things like that or seeing someone like Tom Martinick or Don Hellison see that they can't make the same amount of impact in a PE program because of just the limited amount of time. I mean, some of the some of the teachers in Fairfax County Public Schools around here, they they see their teacher or they see their students 60 minutes on Friday. Like, what are you what are you going to do? Like, how much can you actually impact versus then having big time scholars go into after school programs and develop that robustly? I think it's It's great, but it doesn't serve the careers of PE teachers in the in the long term.
1: I would also venture to say that um, because there are no successful examples or none that we know of currently, right, in the United States within physical education, I think that it's hard for practitioners to really understand and grasp like what this might look like within their physical education setting. Um, because they're not exposed to international literature a whole lot. Right. And they might not understand what physical education looks like in other places. And so I think that that's a barrier for the U.S. in moving the needle forward because um, our practitioners don't have a lot of exposure to those experiences.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this is completely uh, off the topic. But going into transitioning to my last question, I did want to point out that Mikkel cited a paper from 1657 in this uh, in this article. So I've never done that much research. So I'm now forced to go find a paper from like the 1500s or something and cite it in one of my papers. But uh, cheers to Mikkel for finding that. Um, but so I think... The paper ends with, and this will be kind of the closure, um, you know, the paper ends with uh, starting with the why instead of the what and how. And I think it's a really important question to ask. Um, And I wonder, you know, how much PE curriculum in the U.S. is actually decided by starting with the question of why versus starting with the content question of what will we teach this year? You know, Instead of this, you know, this article talks about asking that question of why. And I think that's the most powerful piece there. And I don't think that, you know, uh, it, it pushed me to make sure that in my classes, I am actually really like making that overt, not just you know, here's how you teach field and invasion games. And this is your strength and conditioning class. And, you know, this is your pedagogy class and your secondary methods and primary methods and the classes that I teach. And really like this This paper made me stop and go, do I make the why overt? And I don't think I do. I think in my brain, I have it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I know why we're doing this, but it made me reflect and made me really sit down of, You know thinking that i need to make that more overt and clearly uh communicate that with my teachers or i'm just essentially recreating the wheel so any uh closing closing comments from from you all
3: i i guess um i I like his framing of that in the united states you know we have the national standards and then state standards and they're so broad um that if you ask that why question you can attach to any purpose of physical education and so I in my work the why question you know I've worked with a community partner to say what are what are your needs uh in your community and the issues that they come up with is you know kids dropping out of school um school suspension issues uh conflicts in schools and so that's what brought me to to this to answering that question with integrating like a restorative justice approach in physical education but when you ask that why question uh you can then look at the standards and then find a really strong justification like uh in my case it says explicitly in North Carolina standards that students are to learn conflict resolution skills in PE and when I found that I was like really like i you know, got a PhD without ever fully understanding that that was a part of PE. Um, so it's, it's so broad that like when we ask that why question, we can move on it in a way that says um, we're justified in teaching with this approach based on, you know, national and state guidelines.
0: But I think that the way you, you approached that research was you went to the community partner and asked why and why do you need this? And then you're using the standards to justify people who need some justification, but it would be different to say that we're teaching this restorative practice model because I, I want it, because we want to teach restorative practice. But I think that that's that's the key. And I think you're doing it right. In if you look at what Mikhail says is considered right, you know, you started with the why. Yeah, we all need justification. That's, you know, if you need to support you know, uh, a grant or something, you're not just going to say because, right? You're going to go in and cite relevant research and you you're smart in the sense that you're looking at the standards and showing that this is a part of part of our program. So, uh, Kevin, final, final thoughts or, uh, comments or just like a, uh, wave goodbye to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
2: I, I just, you know, I think that Michael really said it best there. Um, and, and, you know, thinking about that why question and, and how that can drive what we do, uh, you know, we, we took a similar approach, I would just say, in some recent work that we're doing with a community partner here in Champaign, um, where uh, our department had had a, um, uh, a uh, uh, like a summer sports program that had been running for, for years and years and years. And, um, you know, when, when I came to Illinois, uh, the, the director of that program was retiring and myself and a few other faculty were asked to kind of serve. Advisory capacity for moving the program forward, and the first thing that we did was go out to meet with the school district and have a conversation with them about summer programming and, and what they look for and, and, and why they think that students attend these types of programs. Um, and we and then we talked to kids themselves from some of the local schools and, and asked very similar questions. You know, what would be attractive about going to a summer program? Why would you engage? Uh, and that was kind of what allowed us to build out you know, what we're, what we had hoped to roll out this summer, but, um, you know, now looks like it's going to be delayed until, uh, until next summer due to the COVID, uh, pandemic.
0: Yeah. Aaron, last, last words from the, uh, from the, from the newbie, the newest addition to our article club.
1: Yeah. I think for me that it's about being better at asking that why question. Right. So really like, um, Making sure that I ask it within my classes, and just as you said, like am I am I really am I really asking why as in, to inform what I'm teaching, and then being in a in a newer space, um, making sure that I'm having those conversations with the community um, to to make sure that I'm not just repeating the cycle.
0: Yeah and and aaron got up at like 4 a.m in hawaii to uh record this so um much appreciated probably 3 a.m but you know 3 or 4 same thing uh thanks everybody for uh coming on um again for uh listeners uh we'll uh, link to the article in the article notes it's an open access article so you can just go in and click on it read it Um, Really good to engage in this stuff. If you use the hashtag HPE research, um, it'll connect. Uh, We can go in and kind of carry on the conversation offline um, or online on Twitter. Uh, You can look at um, the Twitter feed at the the HPE podcast. And we also have a website, um, the HPE website. Um, So uh, thanks, everybody, for joining. Appreciate it.